0: Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at PainesvilleAG.com. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today.
1: I'm not the typical missionary. Um, I didn't grow up in a, uh, as a pastor's kid, and and in fact, I grew up in a broken home, very abusive environment, had no confidence, really didn't see any future for myself, but at a young age, I found our Heavenly Father through Jesus. And when I had a stepfather who said I wouldn't amount to anything, I had a Heavenly Father that said, I have plans for you. (laughs) Amen? Yeah. And it wasn't until I started my college um, training as a nurse I was walking through the basement of Mount Carmel East Hospital in Columbus, Ohio, to my clinical rotations. And during that time in that basement, if you've ever been in the basement of a hospital, it's not pretty. (laughs) But as I was walking through, the Lord began to show me pictures of what it would look like to work in clinics, in hospitals, in other countries, developing countries. And He spoke into my heart at that moment, said, Chris, I'm going to use your skills as a nurse to reach the hurting and loss for me, amen. So it was about a 10-year journey before I got to see that fulfilled because God had some work to do inside of his heart, and he had some things to prepare me for. But I went back to school, got my nurse practitioner's license, got done, and said, Lord, I have the passion, I have the education. Let's go to the mission field. And he sent me to Cleveland. (laughs) Yeah. So I actually got a, a, a wonderful opportunity at the Cleveland Clinic Foundation working in cardiothoracic surgery, It made no sense to me whatsoever. What does this have to do with family practice? What does this have to do with missions? But it was there that I learned perseverance because I was piloting a new program that had never been done before. I learned to lean on God. I learned to build relationships, a lot of leadership skills. All those things I did not realize that I would need once I got to Zambia. And the Lord finally opened that door in 2005. I was in Durban, South Africa for a short-term trip And Joel Watson opened his Bible to Hebrews 11 and spoke how Abraham picked up his tents and went to a land he didn't know. Because I had a call, but I didn't know where. And the Lord said, it's time to get out of the boat. So I started that journey, and he had me land in Zambia in 2006. And praise God, I've been there ever since, and I'm very excited for what God is doing there. Now, to remind you, you may not know your Africa geography as well. I'll be honest, I had to look up where I was going when I got my assignment. But it's in the southern central part of Africa. We're about the size of Texas, about 17 million people now. And if you were to get on the website, it would tell you that Zambia is considered a Christian nation. But when you get on the ground, you realize there's a lot of definitions of that. A Jehovah's Witness will identify himself as a Christian. Someone who's practicing traditional beliefs will say, I'm a Christian. Because in their context, if you're not Muslim, then you must be Christian. So, when you hear that Zambia is a Christian nation, know there's still much work to be done on the ground. And we have the wonderful privilege of partnering with three national churches there to do just that. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Some of the issues that we face in Zambia is poverty. Two-thirds of our population live on less than $1.25 a day. We also have a huge problem with HIV, which is actually improving, but about 13% of our population is HIV positive. We have a huge lack of medical access for those who are ill. And we also have problems with traditional beliefs. And then two of the newer issues that we are now facing, we are seeing a grown Muslim population group. They're coming down through Tanzania into the eastern province, targeting our youth, promising schooling, housing and a future and recruiting that way. So we're trying to help our churches identify what's happening and help them strategically plan to focus on building up our youth so they're strong in their faith, they don't get swayed by this, but also to reach out to that Muslim community. Amen? And then also we have an issue with false doctrine. A lot of men of God calling themselves prophets or evangelists, evangelists coming into Zambia, but bringing a, a word that's not in our Bible. Um, a lot of prosperity messages, a lot of messages that are bringing disappointment. So it's a kind of a a struggle and which also helps us realize that we really got to get our pastors solid um, in their theology and their doctrines so that they're they're preaching good word amen i wanted to share the next slide with you this is just a, a bird's eye view when we go into a community and do community development which i'll talk about in just a minute Uh, We asked them, what are the issues you see in the community? And I won't read through all this, but this is a Zambian perspective. You have not only the things that I mentioned, but pretty much every community I go into, I see the same list. But as you go through the list, the really cool thing about this is God can intervene in every single one of those areas. Amen? Yeah. So if you go to the next slide, all that to say, in the midst of all this, God is doing some great things. He's growing his church there. Like I mentioned, we work with three national groups. And you'll see in the next slide, we had our groups map out where all their churches are so that we could strategically plan. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Oh, I realize you have it on the back wall, and I'm sitting here trying to look over here. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but in here, you'll see on the, on the left side... The map is pretty yellow. There's not a lot of dots there. That's the western part of Zambia, and all that showed up on all three groups that we do not have churches in that area. So we're now strategically looking how we can go into that area and bring the good news of Jesus Christ and bring uh, people to the Lord in those areas. So when I sat down with our national church leaders, I said, what are some areas that we as missionaries can partner with you with? How can we help you? Because we're in the process of recruiting the team. So if you're interested, let me know. These are the areas. One, pastoral training. Number two, discipleship programs. Number three, church structures. And then finally, the area of um, missions and outreach. And I have the beautiful opportunity to work in both the discipleship and the missions outreach department. How we're doing that is through a program, as you go to the next slide, called Community Health Evangelism. So this is a program that teaches disease prevention health promotion, but also how to present Christ. The cool thing is we are training people like you sitting in the pews of their church in lessons on all these areas, and then we're sending them forth into the community to be the salt and light. Amen? So they're able to go into areas that I can't go into as a missionary, because there's a lot of sometimes resistance when they see the, we call them Manzungus, the white girl, coming into the community. Sometimes they're not, what is her, What is her, you know, real purpose here? But if you can send the neighbors in, they trust the neighbors, they know the neighbors, they grew up with their neighbors, and it's through them that they can bring the love of God. Amen? If you go to the next slide, this is our team. We went through some major transitions this term, and the Lord had us really sit down, get before him, and just kind of remap ourselves, restructure ourselves. And you'll see in the next slide, uh, the Lord just guided us to a new vision statement, new mission statement, and number one... Our goal is to make Christ known, easy enough, amen? And how we're doing that, you'll see through um, our vision statement and ne- our mission statement. We're, gonna, we're hopefully gonna see transformation in individuals and communities by training and mobilizing local church and discipleship, health promotion and community development through sustainable su- initiatives. And what I mean by sustainable initiatives Everything we do in a community can be reproduced and doesn't require me as a missionary or outside resources. So the really cool thing is we help them identify the resources God has put before them, also their gifts and their talents and their education. It's very easy to look in your community, and I, I, I can attest to this, and see all the problems. It's a little harder to look in and see all the potential and see all the resources that God's put before you. So this is our opportunity to help them open their eyes and see, look what God has given you and look what he can do through you, amen? So I wanna give you a bird's eye view of how this works. You're gonna see in the next slide where there's gonna be a video. Jerry Ireland was over all Compassion Ministries in Africa but came down from Togo to highlight CHE program. So everything you see in this video is from the program in Zambia, so take a peek. My heart gets so excited every time I see this because the Lord has been laying a new foundation for us, and I'm, I truly believe this next term, this this ministry is going to explode across Zambia. The national churches are ready for it. What's really cool is we're training trainers within each local church to start this program themselves, and then they're training workers to go in the community. They usually have about 10 homes apiece where they're visiting week month after month, bringing in all kinds of lessons on how they can be healthy, but also biblical lessons, discipleship lessons. So we're training disciples and the trainers, the trainers are training disciples and the workers, and the workers are training disciples in the community. And we're seeing God bring some transformation, as Lovemore mentioned. We even had a Muslim community where we're seeing some salvations, and I'll talk about that a little more in a few minutes. But God is doing some miraculous things through this. Uh, These are just some pictures from the training. I just wanted to point out in this top corner, when I talk about appropriate technology, what Geneva has right there is a solar oven. It's made out of cardboard and aluminum foil that you find in your kitchen. So what we do is, she's made some uh, banana bread. We basically put a, a black pot, sometimes we have to paint the pot black, Put it out in the sun in the morning. By the end of training in the afternoon, we're able to partake of this lovely banana bread. So just, again, easy things, things that God has put right before them, they could use to bring um, transformation and development into their community along with the Word of God. Amen? So if you'll go to the next slide, Um, you can pass through this one. Okay, so this is the other heartbeat that the Lord has given me the wonderful opportunity to be a part of, and that is through a ministry with a mobile clinic. Um, last term, I got an email saying, Christine, we have a mobile clinic in South Africa. We're not using it anymore. Would you take it? And I said, nope. I said, that's not what we do. We do community development, and I had no vision for it. So I thought, there's got to be someone else out there who needs a mobile clinic. Well, about two months later, I got an email from Florida saying there was a lady who wanted to donate money to, for me to build a clinic in Zambia. And once again, I had to turn that down because they're very difficult to sustain, very expensive, and once the money runs out, they just, they close down. Two weeks later, get another email. Christine, the same lady wants to send you money to transform your truck into a mobile clinic. And that's when the light bulbs started going off. I'm like, okay, God's trying to do something and I just really need to get out of the way. (laughs) So out of faith, I said, okay, send us, know, four months later, do you still have the mobile clinic? This is the funny part. Do you still have the mobile clinic? They said, yes, Christine, we really feel it's supposed to come to Zambia. We've been waiting to hear from you. (laughs) So, Yeah, sometimes the Lord has to hit me over the head a few times. But we brought it in, and I prayed in faith, Lord, give us vision for this. What is your plan for this? If you'll go to the next slide, I was meeting with some friends from the embassy, and I mentioned that I had this mobile clinic coming and they, re, um, Jim looked at me, he said, Christine, have you ever thought about doing cervical cancer screenings? And I got a confirmation on that about two weeks prior to that when a, a doctor with the Ministry of Health also suggested the same. The reason being is we have the highest mortality rate and incidence of cervical cancer in the entire world. And you'll find that in sub-Sahara Africa. The reason being is... We have an HIV issue that compromises the immune system. So ladies are not able to shed the virus that causes cancer, the cervical cancer. But the other issue was we just didn't have screening. So they put me in contact with a Dr. Param, out of the University of Alabama who was in Zambia setting up the government program. And within 24 hours of contact with him, he had set up a coffee appointment with me and helped us put together a mobile clinic, cervical cancer screening program with a referral system back to all his stations throughout Zambia. So we thank God for that connection. And how this works, if you'll go to the next slide, is basically we don't just go in the community on our own, but we go in with our national churches. Um, We want to be sure that everything we do is in connection and is bringing um, growth to our churches that we work with. So while we're doing the outreach for the physical needs, the local church is doing evangelism in the community and we're showing the Jesus film at night and many people are coming to the Lord. And what I love about this, a lot of our area directors are having us partner with these little churches that have only been running for about a few months and they're meeting in little school classrooms and nobody knows about them. So it's also bringing awareness that they are there and giving them the opportunity to give out to their community. We called it Kuralila. The reason we called it that is because this Chichewa word Describes an emotion of tears that you shed when you find a lost treasure. And that is our heart, is to find those lost women who need Jesus. Amen. So if you'll go to the next slide, um, this is our team. And I will tell you, in the last three years, we have screened over 2,000 women. 10% of those ladies are either positive for, for precancerous changes or already had cancer. And because of your Your faithfulness and support, we were able to get those ladies the treatment they needed. Some of them I'm able to treat right on site, but some of them are a little more advanced and we have to refer them. And we've had some wonderful testimonies through this. Um, That's Dr. Heather in the middle, just so you're aware. We do have a doctor on board. She's a pediatrician, so I pulled her into women's health. She loves it. And then um, Redson's our driver and our two ladies help us. Um, That's Jesse and um, Jessica. They help us with training and um, also translation and registration. You can go to the next slide. Just a quick photo from one of our churches. I I want you, if you can go ahead, I wanna just kinda share some of the um, outcomes. We've um, had several women, like I mentioned, that we've been able to intervene physically, but we're also seeing a lot of opportunity to pray with women who have brokenness in their life because this is a very intimate time. And when they step into that truck and that door closes, it's a safe area. And they will unload on me things that they won't tell anybody in their community or their family. Marital issues, infertility issues, abortions, which are illegal in Zambia. But all these um, things that they're able to um, express, we're able to pray with them and bring Jesus into the situation. Amen. So it's been a real thrill to be a part of that. We're seeing people come to the Lord through this ministry. I remember Ruth who came to our main clinic site. Heather had done a devotion that morning and she came back to the examination room later in the day, not for an examination because she had already had hers done, but she came to receive Jesus as our personal savior. She just wanted prayer and and help in finding him. So we give God all the glory for that. And also a lot of um, deliverances have taken place through this. You're like, well, how did that happen? Well, basically when we're in a community, especially when we're in the bush, Heather and I have the wonderful opportunity to share the word and a lot of these women, because they've met us throughout the week, they'll come up to us after church and ask for prayer. And a lot of times, um, if they're carrying demonic forces, that will manifest during those prayer times. And it's just been a, just a pleasure to watch God transform those lives right in front of you um, and just uh, bring joy and peace into their lives. Amen? So that's what God is doing. I want to share a final testimony with you um, before we move to the Word. In the next slide, you're going to see Miriam. Marjorie, sorry. Uh, Marjorie came up to me about two weeks before I came home, just this past July, and she said, Christine, I just wanted to just uh, give you some update on my health and and praise God for what he's done. And I said, oh, that's great. Remind me, because I see a lot of ladies. And she said, you found cancer on me a year and a half ago. And sure enough, I pulled up her records, and she had already had advanced cancer on her examination. And we referred her to the local hospital and. UTH in Lusaka, and she underwent surgery, and she brought me her blue card showing all her chemotherapy, and she had just had her follow-up, and she said, praise God, I am cancer-free. Amen? So many stories like that. And what I loved about it was she said, I'm praising God because he brought you here to find it so that I could get the treatment I needed. That is what you guys are supporting amen you are intervening in so many women's lives and that has a ripple effect because the women are the hub of zambia they are mamas for families who are multifaceted they are our prayer warriors in the church they get the jobs done in the church so thank you thank you for being a part of what god's doing through this ministry amen amen yes give him glory for that This morning and the rest of my time, I want to springboard off of what Jerry said in the video a little bit and kind of challenge you this morning. I know this morning we're celebrating foreign missions, but I believe the Lord wants to remind us this morning who we are in Him. Amen? Because it's not just about the missionary or the pastor, but God has put a call on each and every one of our lives, whether we're sitting out there or we're up here. Amen? Amen. So I want to encourage you with that, and I want to ask you, if you will trust me for a moment, I'm going to take you through a quick little exercise. And what I'm going to have you do is close your eyes for a minute, and I am going to take you on a journey to Zambia with me, Okay? So as I'm reading this, I want you just to kind of imagine in your head this walk that we're going to take through the bush, and just kind of focus on the emotions you encounter as we walk. It is evening time. And we are on our way back to base camp after a full day of ministry. It had been a wonderful day. God moved in mighty ways. And the services had gone long, so it's getting a bit dark. But we have confidence because we have a floodlight leading the way. We're walking down the path, chatting about all the things the Lord did that day. And then we realize it's really getting kind of dark. But no worries, we still have this floodlight. As we press on to our base camp, all of a sudden, the floodlight goes out. We freeze. For the night is pitch black. There is no moon, there's no stars, because it's a cloudy night, and we cannot see the path ahead of us. Our eyes try to adjust, but it's still very difficult to see. And we begin to move forward, but we're unsure. Was it this way? Was it that way? As we carefully plant our feet, the sand shifts underneath our shoes. Some of us are wearing sandals, and we begin to remember the warnings we heard earlier. Keep an eye out for the snakes, and watch out for scorpions. Oh, if we could only see the path. We carefully, step by step, try to find our way, and then suddenly there's a rustle in the bushes. What is it? Is it a hippo? Is it a warthog? Oh my goodness, could it be a lion? Panic fills our hearts. We are so unsure on how we get back to base camp. And then, as we look over to the right, we see a tiny, small flicker. Ever so tiny, but it's there. We decide to head towards it. We quicken our pace, unsure what we will find, but anxious to reach it. As we draw closer, the light becomes brighter. Finally, we reach the source. We can actually see the path. And there before us sits a bimbo warrior on a tree stump with his spear with a little candle sitting next to him. He smiles and asks, Are you lost? Let me show you the way. You can open your eyes. When I do this with my Zambian brothers and sisters, especially if I'm in the bush, I take them to the city because that's their unfamiliar territory. But I always ask the same question, how did you feel when all the lights went out and it was pitch black? And a lot of times I'll get answers like, fear, uncertainty, anxiety. And then I'll ask, well, how did you feel when you saw that little flicker of light in the distance? And they will say, hope, relief. Direction. The Lord wants to remind us this morning that as his children, we are called the salt and light of the earth. And that too, we too should bring hope, peace to those around us. Amen. So if you'll turn in your Bibles this morning, we're going to read out of Matthew 5. 513. And I just want to put this in context for us. As many of us know, this is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. He's been ministering throughout Galilee. If you look earlier into the scripture, you'll see that he's been ministering, teaching, preaching, healing the sick, delivering people of demonic strongholds. Sounds a whole lot like Compassion Ministries, does it not? Jesus was always about the whole person, not just the spiritual, reaching out in love. But through his actions and through his, all his ministry, news was traveling and spreading and crowds were starting to form. People from Syria, Galilee, Jerusalem, Judea, all were starting to form and follow him. And he paused on the side of what some people call a mountain, some people call a hill. Uh, from those who have gone to Israel, they tell me it's like a big hill. But he paused there to speak to them. And this is just part of what he shared with them. In Matthew 5, verse 13, it says, You... that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Amen. Can we just pray for a moment? Heavenly Father, we just love you. We thank you for your mercies and your grace, Father God. And I just pray, Lord, that as we look at your word and how you see us, Father, that you will challenge our hearts. Give us eyes to see how you would use us, Father God, to represent you well. Holy Spirit, we give you rain just ask you to do your work inside each and every one of us and we love you and we thank you for these things in Jesus name amen so here we see Jesus says you are the salt and the light using two metaphors to describe his followers so that would be us right Well, the interesting thing about salt, it was highly valued in that time. And I will tell you, in Zambia, the same is true. (laughs) If you go into a Zambian kitchen, you're going to find their enchima, which is a cornmeal. It's their their everyday food. Um, It's kind of mushy, but it has no flavor. But besides the the enchima, you're going to see salt and you're going to see sugar because they bring flavors. Amen? Well, the same is true in this time of um, life. In the first century, salt was considered very valuable. In fact, a lot of Roman soldiers were paid in salt because it had so many uses. And in the Greek population, they really felt salt was a divine thing to have, both useful and valuable. Amen? This is what God calls us. You see, salt was useful because it brought preservation. As all of us know, salt helps us preserve foods, right? So if you go back to that time, they didn't have refrigerators, but they used salt to preserve their meats because a lot of um, the people in this setting were living in desert situations where meat would go bad rather quickly. Salt also brought seasoning and taste to the food. But one thing sometimes we don't think about, salt also has healing properties. And they used it back then, and even today, we know in the medical world that salt water has a wonderful, is a wonderful way to cleanse wounds and things like that. Jesus also calls us salt, saying that we are also very valuable and we're also very useful. Amen? Useful in the way of bringing preservation. Just as salt will stop decay in meats, the body of Christ should resist moral corruption and decay and help pers- uh, preserve the moral decay of our community to help influence our community. Amen? Amen? And, and then also, we as Christians bring flavor into the world. Living under the guidance of the Holy Spirit in obedience, Christ will inevitably influence the world through us. Good things come from salt, good flavors come from salt. And the same should be said for us as the body of Christ. Amen. We also should be bringing healing. Amen. I want to pause there for a minute. We should be bringing healing, not disunity, amen. Just felt like I had to pause there for a moment. Just as salt is able to cleanse wounds and bring healing, we can bring people to Jesus, who's the ultimate healer. This is what God calls us to be. And there's a fourth quality about salt that I didn't mention, and that is salt causes thirst, And my challenge to the church today is, do our lives cause people to be thirsty for Jesus? When they look at us in our relationship with the Lord, does it cause them to hunger and thirst for the Jesus inside of us? Let's move on. He also says, you are the light, the light of the world. And he also reminds us, a city on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do the people of light. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Light is very useful. I am very familiar with this. Back in those days, if you want to go ahead, oh, thank you for being ahead of me, thank you. (laughs) In those days, they didn't have candles like we do today. They had these clay pots, and they would fill them with oil and put a wick in them, and they would light them. Because when the sun goes down, they did not have power. They didn't have a switch to turn on the light bulb. Well, I can totally relate to this because in Zambia, we have load shedding. And what that means is, I want to try to light this. Last Sunday, I couldn't get it to light. (laughs) But what that means is every day, we have about 10 to 12 hours of load shedding, meaning they they turn off the power. These are childproof, and I am struggling to get them to work. (laughs) Okay, so... I'm going to give up on this, and I want you to imagine a little flame, because there's there's a reason I wanted to light it. Pastor, if you get bold and want to try, I'll let you do it. But um, it's amazing when the lights go out in Zambia, it is pitch black, and you can light a little tiny candle... I'm telling you, this is the second Sunday this has happened. I don't know. I think God's just working on humility. I don't know. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Pastor. Woohoo! <laughs> but you can light a little light like this, and it will fill the entire room, and you can get work done, because it gets, it gets dark around 6 there, 6.30. Zesco decides to shut off the power and then we have no light. So you just light this little tiny candle and it will fill the room and you can do what needs to be done. The one quality I love about this is how tiny, and if you can't see, you know a flame on a candle, how tiny that little flame is. I was looking at that one day and how that tiny little flame would fill up an entire room. And the Lord just kind of reminded me how He loves to use little things to do big work. Because some of you might be sitting in here saying, "Christine, I'm too small. I don't have the gifts. I don't have the talents. I don't have the experience. That's hogwash. <laughs> That's the enemy trying to hold you back. Because God has put special gifts and talents in each and every one of you. He has transformed your life, so you've got a testimony. And now you got the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, and He wants to use you to beam some light into your community. Amen? Amen. Light brings hope, it brings comfort, and it brings guidance. And the scripture, once again, He reminds us this little lamp, these little candles, we don't put them in a corner, we don't put them under a bowl or a basket but we put them on a stand. And you'll see in the next slide, this is actually something they dug up. A lot of the stands they used were high stands. Some of them were made out of wood if you didn't have a lot of money, but some were made out of brass or bronze. And they would put the lamp right on top so it would fill the entire room. It wasn't hidden. The Lord is asking us to rise up and shine. Don't worry about offending anybody. Don't worry about what people are gonna think. He wants you to rise up and shine and bring light into the darkness. There is so much darkness around us, so much fear. People are looking for hope, and we are to rise up and shine and bring that hope. Let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It's not to bring attention to us is to bring attention to Jesus and the great things he's doing in our lives. People are watching. They watch how you respond in certain situations. They watch how you deal with stress in your workplace and your schooling. I'll never forget when I was working at the Cleveland Clinic Foundation, it was probably the the highest stress level I've ever worked in because it's the number one heart center in the country for years. But because of that, they have a high standard and everything had to be just right. And so that brought a lot of stress. But I thank God for that opportunity because in the midst of that stress, the Lord was able to shine. Now, I do not take credit for any of this because I honestly was in survival mode. But it's amazing how when you have a relationship with Jesus and you spend time with him and you walk out in obedience with him despite yourself, he shines through. It's like, it's like an automatic thing. And people saw joy. And I'll never forget, Carol came up to me one day at my desk. And she said, Christine, I don't know what it is about you, but I want whatever you have. And I looked at her and said, oh, Carol, I'd love to tell you what I have. And I got to share Jesus with her. Now, she didn't accept Jesus as her personal Savior right then and there. But four months later, she came running up to my desk one day. And she goes, guess what, Chris? I found a church. And guess who else I found? I found Jesus as my personal Savior. Amen. This is what God calls us to do. If we're just willing to take time to pause, to shine for Him, the Holy Spirit will do miraculous things. Amen. So how do we do this? Well, I've mentioned some of it already. Spending time with the Lord, building a relationship with Him representing him well in our lives? Do they see righteousness in how we live? Do we look different from those around us? But there's one thing I really wanna focus on this morning. Jesus calls us to a very basic thing, and I don't know why it's so difficult for us as Christians in the body of Christ, but it's the great commandment. If we could just get this down, I think everything else just flows naturally. And that is, number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But then the second half of that is to love your neighbor as yourself. Amen? If we could just grab hold of that and just really infuse it into our lives, things will happen. People can't help but be drawn to the light. They can't help but thirst for Jesus. What does this look like? Well, we don't have time this morning. But when Jesus was asked a question about who's my neighbor, in Luke 10, we all know the story of the Good Samaritan, amen? It's a beautiful picture of love and what it means to love your neighbor. But let me also read 1 Corinthians 13, the love passage, and just remind us that love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy, and love does not boast. It's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self seeking and it is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. I struggle with that one sometimes. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres, amen. This is what love looks like. Let me share another testimony with you from Zambia. Love Moore in the video mentioned these Muslims coming to the Lord through CHE program. When I heard this report, I asked, could you please bring four individuals from that community to Lusaka so I can interview them? I wanted to hear from them how CHE program impacted their lives. So they sent me two men and two women on different days, and I interviewed them separately. But when I asked them the questions, they all gave me the same exact answers. I said, what is it that touched your hearts. And all four of them said, it was the love we saw of the community workers working in the community. They cared about us. They prayed with us. They were worried about us. They took time with us. I said, that is really cool. But what was the final thing? What made you turn to Jesus? What was that final element? And all four of them told me the same exact thing. They said it was the word of God spoken in our homes. You see, because of the love they saw the che workers doing in the community, they invited them into their homes and they brought the word of God in. And then the Holy Spirit had the opportunity to work through his word. This is what love does. It opens doors. It gives us the opportunity to share who Jesus is. This is what he's called us to do. If that doesn't convince you enough, just look at Jesus. We've already mentioned he was not just going out and preaching and teaching, but he was caring, he was loving in very tangible ways, whether he is feeding a crowd, meeting a woman by the well, healing the sick, delivering individuals from demonic forces. He was about the whole person, but it takes time it takes sensitivity it takes a little sacrifice to be a light amen and he's asking us this morning are you willing cuz he's asking who shall i send my friends we know we're living in in times <laughs> i mean there's no doubt we don't know how long that'll last but there's work to be done and it can't be done by a single missionary it can't be done by a single pastor. It requires all of us. Because we can't go into your workplace. We can't go into your school. We can't go into your clubs. We can't go into your families. But you can. God has strategically placed you. Let me close with a few final thoughts. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. And then 1 Peter 2.9 reminds us that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. And then Romans ten thirteen through 14, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, but how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? I want you to take note on this scripture in Matthew 5. It doesn't say you can be the salt of the earth or you can be the light of the world. It says you are. This is a call for all of us. Let me leave you with one final testimony in the next slide. I want to introduce you to Calvin. And I want to talk about strategic placement. Because each and every one of you, God has placed you where you are for a purpose. Calvin was a gentleman we found along our way to a training up in south uh, of Lusaka. It's about an hour and a half drive from my home to this area. And you go along the main road, but then you have to go off-road and deep into the bush and then up a mountain. And as we were going deep into this bush area... We saw Calvin. Now, a lot of times when you see someone like Calvin, you kind of steer a little out of the way because many of them are drunk and many of them um, have psychological issues, schizophrenia being one of the areas um, that I see a lot of on the streets. So kind of sounds like the good Samaritan. I kind of weaved away, (laughs) not the good, good Samaritan, not the other guys, you know, but I weaved away. And all of a sudden, Mrs. Molly, who was sitting in the car with me, said, Christine, stop the truck." I'm like, okay. She goes, go back to that guy. And I looked at my colleague, Heather. And I'm like, we're going back to the guy. She's like, yeah. So I said, okay, we're driving back to this gentleman. She goes, he looks kind of familiar to me. I just want to see. I said, okay. So we drove up, and he's kind of maneuvering on the side of the road like this. He's, she said, call out Calvin. I said, Calvin? He looks up. Yes, madam. Is your name Calvin yes ma'am. And then he saw Mrs. Molly in the back seat. His face lit up. He's like, mama. And he comes running to the side of the truck. And they're talking in Yanja and Heather and I'm like, what is happening? Unbeknownst to us, Calvin was from Mrs. Molly's church. Calvin has a mental disability and had been missing for three weeks. His family thought he was dead and were starting to search the morgues. He had left the house one day and never came back. And he had been walking. Their house is a little further than where I lived. Two hours drive. He had been walking for three weeks. And here we are, off a main road, into a bush, for no apparent reason, there's Calvin. Amen. We piled them in into the truck, and I want to go to the next slide, because we were heading up to a teen challenge. If you don't know what teen challenge is, it's a drug rehabilitation program, and we were doing che training there. So excited about what God's going to do through that. Whole nother story. If you're interested, ask me outside. But we went up with the guys up there, and when we walked in with Calvin, they were all like, hmm? But then Mrs. Molly shared the testimony of how God strategically put us in a place to intervene in Calvin's life. They took this young man, and during our break, he disappeared, and around lunchtime, he comes back fully showered, hair trimmed, brand new clothes, because these men, these Teen Challenge guys, loved him. This is what the body of Christ looks like. They brought him into the fold, and he was part of our training for the rest of the day before we could take him back to his family that evening. This is what the body of Christ looks like. God strategically places us in where we are to be able to intervene in lives of others who need him. And he's asking, are you willing to stop and be sensitive and follow me when I lead you to those people? That's what he's asking this morning. Can I use you? If you're here today and you say, Lord, that's me. I want some of those divine appointments. Use me. Would you just raise your hand? Can I just ask you to stand? Those of you who say, Here I am, Lord. I'm ready. Use me. God is calling each and every one of us to go and represent Him. And I want to encourage you the Holy Spirit will guide you, He will give you words. He will give you wisdom. He will give you the capacity to love. Because when you're willing and you say, here I am, Lord, you've given him full reign to use you in a mighty way for him. Can I just pray for you right now, right where you're at? Heavenly Father, we just love you, and we thank you for the privilege to be used by you. Such a privilege, Father God. These weak vessels that you fill up, with your love and your compassion and your power to go forth and represent you well. And Lord, we see all these, this army in this one church that say, here I am, use me. Father God, I pray even right now that you will pour out your love, your compassion, that you will pour out your Holy Spirit, your anointing on each and every one of these. that says, here I am, send me, Lord, who are answering your call. I pray that you equip them in a mighty way to go forth from this place and represent you well. And Father, I pray for divine appointments. I pray for a sensitivity to hear the Holy Spirit's voice when you say, Stop, this one needs to hear about me. That they will have not only the ability to hear you, but they will have the boldness to step out in faith and know that you're going with them and getting ready to impact someone for you, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray for each and every one of these, their willingness, Father, to be used by you. I pray that you continue to minister to the hearts, continue to equip them, Father God, and continue to send them forth, orchestrating their steps to those that need to hear you. We love you, Father, and you know we give you all the glory and the honor and the praise for what you're doing in and through each and every one of these individuals, Father God, but also this church as a corporate body, Father. I pray that you begin to just swing open wide the doors here, that people will be drawn to this place, a place of safety, a place of comfort, a place of love, a place to find you, Father God. I pray that you will just cause an expansion in this place, Father, through each and every one of these as they go forth. precious name of our Jesus. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What a good word. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Sometimes we make it too complicated. Sometimes it's just loving people. Sometimes it's just being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's just being willing to use what God has put in our hands to be able to bless and love others. The worship team is going to lead us in a final song. And again, if you need to go, you can do that. I encourage you to stop by and talk with Christine. But if you want to respond, maybe the Lord's putting it on your heart. You know, Christine was called out of the health care. The Lord spoke to her and said, you know what, you're called to be a missionary. She was in healthcare, But God put it on her heart and called, maybe there's a call on your life. Maybe God is moving in your life and he's calling you out of whatever field you're in and you thought that's what you were going to do but God says, no, I got bigger plans than that and perhaps there's a call on your life. Will you listen to the Holy Spirit in this morning? If you need prayer, maybe you need prayer. Maybe you need prayer for healing. Maybe there's something going on in your life. As we just had this last just to, again, glorify the Lord today. I want to invite you, if you want to respond, spend some time around these altars to do that. And again, I want to encourage you, if you go to leave, stop by and just talk with Christine. Pick up a prayer card, and let's continue to lift her in prayer. Come on, lead us. And if you want prayer, will you come and let us pray with you today? Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.